0: Hello and welcome to a time of edification with soul Ministry. Get ready to be edified and equipped to edify others. Ready? Let's begin. So far, we began our study extensively on tongues. All right, and we saw some misconceptions, some misconceptions as regards to tongues. And one of the things I, you know, tried to show you from Acts two was that the day of Pentecost, what they did, that started in Rather, the year of Pentecost is actually a Jewish festival, all right. It's and it's from the word 50, 50 days after the Passover, all right? 50 days after the Passover. We saw that from the Old Testament, how that's also called the Feast of Weeks, 50 days after the Passover, all right. And um, we saw that so because it's a Jewish festival, the people who would have been in Jerusalem at that particular point in time would have been Jews, all right, would have been Jews, it wouldn't have been Jews and Gentiles together. No, it should have only been Jews, all right and we, we and that was where we now try to look at other examples we saw for example an example we saw for example Paul saying that he wanted to get to ephesus he wanted to get to Jerusalem from Ephesus so that he could get there in early enough for Pentecost why because Paul himself was a Jew Paul was a Jew all right and so Paul was saying that he wanted to get to Jerusalem you know on the day of Pentecost so that he could also go you know for for worship you see the same thing um in Acts 8 All right, and talking about the utopian eunuch, who by the way was an utopian eunuch, meaning he was someone who was residing in utopia. All right, so he was residing in utopia, living in utopia. However, because he was a Jew, he went to Jerusalem to worship. So you need to understand that Jerusalem was the place of worship for these people, and so they would come from different parts of the world. All right, different, and I told you already before that because of the exile that Israel went through, and because of the many battles that they fought, all right, were scattered around about different places in the world. And so they would come from all of those places and they would come to Jerusalem to worship from time to time and so at the point in time all right when you had Pentecost happening in Acts 2 what you actually had there where Jews come together from different nations under heaven and they came together in a particular place to worship and by worship I mean to offer sacrifice and that was the reason so when he said that how come we hear in our tongue, these people speaking of the wondrous works of God. I mean, a question you want to ask yourself is this, this is that if if really they were hearing people and so on and so forth, why is it a special thing? I mean, if people are speaking, and I I mean I know somebody speaking Yoruba, say, hey, eh, eh, hey, eh. speaking about no, like you are speaking, oh, that's nice. I might not be happy about it, but I mean, it doesn't make me specially fascinated. You understand. So that couldn't have been what it was about, all right? That would not have been what it was about. Also, because I told you, if 120 people are speaking in a particular room, if 120 is too much, just have 10 people speaking in a particular room, speaking at the top of their voices, all of them at the same time, the chances that you will hear what one person is saying is extremely low. Not to talk of the 120 speaking at the same time. And people could hear from these 120 different languages. And 120 people are speaking at the same time. No. That was also not realistic. And last but not least to further explain that was that Peter Bible told us in Acts 2 and 14 that Peter stood up with the level and then he began to speak to all of them. All right. So Peter stood up and then began to speak to everybody present. All right, at the time. So only Peter preached people at once. How is it possible? Is it, is it that Peter was, you know, as he was speaking English, he would speak, Yoruba, he would speak a he would speak this one, you speak that one. No, that was it. He spoke only one language because they were all Jews and they all spoke Aramaic. So these were not different people from different nations or different nationalities, no. These were people who were living in different places but were originally Jews. So they were all speaking in the bright, or better still in Aramaic. So they all understood the same language. And also because we saw from 1 Corinthians 14. Ago, sorry that I'm rushing this way just because I've explained this in the previous... Um, in the previous station last week, I'm just trying to refresh our memories. all right. Also, because the first Corinthians 14 and verse 2 says that he that speaks in a lot, of, all right, speaks not to men but also God, for no man understands him. How be it in the spirit, he speaks mystery. So, he says, No man understands him. And I tried to explain to you guys before that the book of Acts is actually a book of narration, It's narrates events, it's just like the four gospel. all right, they are eyewitness accounts. But the book of Acts is not entirely an eyewitness account because Luke was not present in all of these, um at, I mean, all of these occurrences. There were some of them that he pretty much heard it from the rest of the apostles, all right? But it's more of a narration telling you things that happened, all right? And so it is subject to the revelation of the epistles because the epistles are revelation. Paul said that himself, all right? He says, um uh and I brought the prisoner of Christ for you, Gentiles, Did you have a head, of the Ephesians 3, from Ephesians 3, from 1 to 4. It's a living event of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given it to you, word. All. all right. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. he says, which I've written a point few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. All right. So Paul tells you that, see, my writing is revelation, and right? it's a revelation of the Old Testament scriptures. Okay. So Paul tells you that their pursuits are revelation knowledge. You know, um, Peter also, you know, in fact, referenced Paul's epistle second chapter 3 and verse 16. All right, he says the account that the long suffering of God is salvation, even also as I beloved brother Paul, as in all his epistles, writing of things in which some things have to be understood, which are simple and unlearned men read as they do also the rest of the scriptures. So Peter also lets you know that see Paul in the letters that Paul wrote, he wrote them by revelation as regards the salvation of christ jesus or salvation through faith in christ jesus so peter also validated Paul's epistles i tell you that to just say that the epistles are revelation knowledge and the book of acts is a narration so the book of acts is things you saw with your eyes things you heard people you heard people say and you wrote it down however the epistles are revelation knowledge in by the spirit and you see when it comes to the christian faith revelation knowledge always supersedes Natural knowledge, write that down. Revelation knowledge always supersedes in natural. You see, God wants you to perceive him spiritually and not for you to know him physically. And that's the reason why, for a God that we are serving, we've never seen him face to face. We've never seen him face to face. The only way we know that he exists is in our hearts by a weakness of our spirit. That's it. That's it. He doesn't want you to see him with your eyes. He doesn't want you to necessarily know that he exists because of the things you hear from him with your ears. No. How does he want you to know him? He wants you to perceive him by revelation knowledge. And that's the reason why, for example, when Jesus rose from the dead, all right, and then, you know, Thomas, you know, he he appeared to the disciples, and then Thomas was not there. And then when Thomas came around, you know, Thomas said, share my meaning. How are you going to tell me that Jesus is raised from the dead? I saw him. I saw them kill him. I saw them pierce him. Are you guys joking? Is there something wrong with you? Are you full with new wine? You know, or is there, is he, you know what's going to happen? Or unless I see the holes of his hand, and I see holes in his leg, and I see the pleasure was pierced in his side. I'm not going to believe this Jesus. And then Jesus shows up on the scene once again, Thomas. I know what he says to him. He says, well, I mean, you you wanted to see the holes in my hand and my leg. Come on, to touch it now. Come on, to touch it now. yeah, to touch, to touch it now. I can't be now so you know people need to understand when jesus showed up to thomas and then he told him to touch his side and to touch his hands and to touch his legs jesus wasn't trying to do something exciting to him rather he was actually rebuking him and saying oh so what you he want is actually to show you something I mean, yeah come and touch now come, yeah come and touch it and that's the reason the moment thomas touched it and he says my lord and my god he does something immediately he said he said you believe all right i might even say thomas Is it thomas now philip it's thomas sorry and it says you believe because you saw it says blessed are day who not see they believe blessed are day blessed are day so in other words jesus would rather have you know him by revelation knowledge he would rather have you know him by revelation than you knowing him you know by you your natural perception of your natural understanding the same thing also happened in acts 24. all right acts 24. what happened in acts, sorry, luke 24 sorry luke 24 you 24, you know, Jesus was on his way, you know, to um emails. He met two disciples. Or um, sorry, uh, yeah, they were they were their way to emails, right? met two disciples, and they were like, was speaking to you know the two of them, all right, and they were talking about the fact that before you know they were talking about him, the fact that you know Jesus had died, all right, and they were not so sure of his resurrection and so on and so forth. And you would think Jesus would just say, Are you good blind? Can't you just dust and be one? Just like something doing you can't see and be one. No. What he did to the Bible says, and he began from scriptures, alright, like he says, you know, went through the, the, the Old Testament scriptures, from Moses through all of the prophets, and he expanded to them concerning himself. Can you imagine? So, Jesus is right there on the scene, the same Jesus who they are debating whether or not is alive, and rather, for him to, rather for him to say, I'm here now, why are you talking like this? No, rather he explained about himself from scripture. Why? Because at the end of the day, he wanted them to know him by revelation, not by natural perception. Because you see, at the end of the day, in scriptural things, revelation weighs more than narration. Revelation weighs more than things you see in your eyes. Apollo, Peter also I spoke about this in Second Peter 1 verse 16. 2 Peter 1 verse 16, you know, he says that still we have the prophetic word confirmed. That's the truth. You know, he says, you know, we were with Jesus when he received from God the excellence glory. Where we were with him in the mount. And by the mount, he was talking about the experience in the mount of transfiguration, where Jesus was transfigured. And then he saw, you know, he saw Moses and then he saw Elijah. And then he wanted to, you know, make three tents for them. And then a, a voice came from heaven and says, This is my beloved son, you woman, well pleased, hear ye him. All right. And then Peter was saying, See, listen, we can tell you about this. He said, We've not followed cunningly divine fables. All right in telling you about the glory and the coming of our Lord Jesus, because we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. In other words, we saw it with our own eyes. We saw it, we were dead. It says, but we have the prophetic word confirmed, which we will do well to pay heed, as also a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day start rising in your heart. What is he trying to say? Listen, in as much as we saw Jesus with our own eyes, we saw the mouth of transfiguration with our own eyes. we are not going to get our message on those things. Rather, we are going to show you the word. So even though at the end of the day, we saw with our eyes Jesus being transfigured, when we teach you, we are not going to teach you from our experiences, we are going to show you from the Word. That's what he was saying. And that's why it says, knowing these person, are no prophecy of the scriptures of any private habitation, for holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. In other words, at the end of the day, the things they said by the Spirit of God matters more than the things we saw with our eyes. That's it. So you see, in spiritual things, and this is what you need to understand, when it comes to spiritual things, listen to me. Listen, the inward witness is more real than your carnal knowledge. Oh, yeah. When it comes to spiritual leading, leading by the spirit, that's one of the first things you must do. The things you perceive in your spirit are more real than the things you are seeing with your eyes. That's one of the first things you must do. When it comes to flowing with the power of God, or flowing the prophetic, or flowing the supernatural, you must learn to see the things that you sense from within as much more real than the things that you have before you. You see, that is the only way you can cause a miracle to happen. You must be able to see a lame man before you and begin your to you perceive him strongly as a man that is walking. And despite what you are seeing with your eyes, you hold on to that weakness of your spirit. That's how you know that you are growing really. You are actually growing in maturity. And that's the reason Peter was speaking. He says, Whom who not see you love and you rejoice with joy everlasting full of glory. Meaning you are rejoicing about this Jesus. You've never seen him. You've never known him. You've never even heard his voice, but you are rejoicing. Not only are you rejoicing, you love him. You are willing to die for him. Now if that is a spiritually mature believer. That's how you know someone who is growing spiritually. Because for him, it's not just about the things he's seeing. It's not just about the things he's hearing. It's not just about the things that his hands can handle. It is more about things he can perceive by his spirit. It's more about the conviction he has grown in by the Word. Why did I feel all that? I just not that to show you something. But at the end of the day when it comes to a believer, your spiritual revelation is much more important than natural perception. I, I, said, I said that to say why? That the epistles matter to us more than the book of Acts. And when I say matters to us more, I don't mean show away the book of Acts. know that's what I'm saying. I'm saying when it comes to doctrinal matters, the revelations from the epistles are much more important than the narrations in the book of Acts. Because the narrations will tell you something. If you try to follow the narrations, you can easily miss it. If you try to look at Jesus and you're paying attention to his height, you know his stature, his leg, so on and so forth. no do, do you realize I was I was I was reading through the book of First Corinthians. A while ago, and my God, I, I finally got what Paul was saying. You know, Paul said something about the Jews and the people when he comes to the gospel. He says the Jews see a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. In other words, when the Jews were looking at Jesus, they, you know, they, they were trying to make sense of it. You know, that's the point of the Jews looking for a sign. They wanted to make sense. You know, this guy doesn't look like a savior. You know, he doesn't. You know, he, he, he doesn't look like it. He, he doesn't. He doesn't make so much sense for us. he says. The Jews look for a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. That's, that's it. So, the Greeks are looking for you know, someone who is intellectual, who is smart, who can listen through things and tell them stuff they've not heard before. And the Jews are looking at signs. What about this guy can make him look like a prophet? Okay, he probably does this thing, and he does that, and he does this, and he does that. we will finally understand that he's a prophet. But you know what, what God said in the Word? He says, you know what? I'm going to destroy the wisdom of the wise. I'm going to nothing the understanding of the prudent. He says, where is the wise in this world? Where is the scribe? Why is the wise? Why is the dispute of this world? He says, Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the wise? He says, For in the wisdom of God, it pleased God, he, knowing that the world by wisdom you not God, he says he pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them who are lost. So, can you see that? So it's it was in it is it, it is in the pleasingness of God. God has decided in himself that you know what's gonna save man, the foolishness of the world. At the end of the day, you must learn this, that when it comes to salvation, when it comes to the things of the spirits, the things we sense in our spirits are much more real than the things we see with our eyes. That's it. The things we sense within us, the things we know from our spirits, they are much more real than the things around us. And that's really how to walk in faith. When you see situations around you, and even though they are so apparent, you can say within your spirit and say, I sense by the spirit of God, and that's what was more real to me. Thanks by the Spirit of God, and that's what's more real to me. The Word is more real to me. Oh, the Word is more real to me. The Word is more real to me. Say, for example, you are battling a particular sickness, a particular ailment. Or it's your mom or your dad that is battling a particular sickness or a particular ailment. Now, there's something you are seeing with your eyes of the truth, and that's true. You understand? There is that reality. But then now there is a superimposing reality. And that's what you perceive from your spirit by the word. So you look into the word. You get a hold of the word and put it down there in your spirit. And then you begin to ruminate upon the word until it becomes the most apparent reality to you. So there is something right before your eyes. But there is another reality brewing up in your spirit. And that is what you must learn to respond to. I tell that to just say at the end of the day that you see when it comes to supernatural things or so when it comes to us as believers, revelation takes takes priority over natural observation. And so, even the same when it comes to Bible study, revelation of the scriptures takes more priority over narration of events. So if you see Acts 2 and in the book of Acts, it's looking like as So, when you speak in tongues, people will actually understand what you are saying. You now go to you now go to the book of Corinthians, which is written by Revelation, and you say, Oh. Bible says, if a man speaks tongues, no man understands. In the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Okay. If he says no man understands, and that one is revelation, it means that narration must subject itself to it. If it now sees in our narration that men actually understood, it is not revelation that was wrong. It is the narration that was wrong. Meaning, it is either the narration was not properly written, or there is something about the narration that we don't understand well. But when the revelation tells you that for a man to understand tongues, it must be interpreted, then you must now say, Oh, for them to have heard what they were saying, the only possible way is that there was tongues and then there was interpretation. Without interpretation, they could not have understood what they were saying. So that's really how to solve it. So as you study through the book of Acts, all right, because you're going to see a couple of things in the book of Acts that might not seem so clear, all right. For example, in the book of Acts, it was not up to ask it thing that the church came to a general consensus that Gentiles could be saved. Imagine, not until Act Acts 15, and yet the miraculous was already happening in the church from Acts 3. What that also lets you know is that miraculous happening do not equate knowledge. That's something you must understand. You see, God in his benevolence and God in his goodness will always cause miracles to happen. Listen, if it ever gets to the point when God really wants to speak to you, a donkey will open his mouth and talk. It does not mean the donkey has the anointing. Don't get it wrong. There are two different things. And this something you need to understand as the minister of the gospel. The fact that you work in, in the miraculous is not an attestation to your obedience or you working in God's plan for your life. It's just that the goodness of God in ensuring that a need is met can cause Him to use you at that point in time. Imagine if after the donkey spoke to Balaam, He now began to organize miracle meetings. You would have a problem. Because at the end of the day, the monkey only, the donkey just had one assignment talk to Balaam right now. And because there was no other person around to speak to Balaam, the donkey had to speak. Simple. That. So that was something that you need to get to. All right. That's something you need to get. But <clears throat> that being said, back to the book of Acts. Back to Acts 2. So I don't take so much time on that. Back to Acts 2. So what we've been able to see so far is that all of the people that were gathered there were actually, you know, Jews from different nations of the world. I Another mean, interesting part that you're not going to see is he speaks about proselytes. Proselytes in verse. Now look at something very interesting. In verse 9 and verse 10. So he was talking about the different nations. talks about Persians, Medians, Elamites, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and in the parts of Libya and Libya and Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, then Cretes and Arabians. What? Let me tell you that you 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 might not that that is actually very interesting here is that. Jews and proselytes is actually the summary of everybody explaining why. Because, you see, a proselyte is actually a Gentile who was converted into a Jew. This is something that you can check in the Greek. I, I, I don't have the Greek word for it. All right. But a proselyte is pretty much a converted Jew. Because when Moses was giving them the laws, all right, one of the things he says is that if a Gentile comes, all right, and wants to join him, then he has to get circumcised. And then he has to begin to practice the law. Just that the laws that were given to you. So if so, it's just the way it's just like you. For example, you are getting your green card, in that to join the Jews. So in order for you to get your green card, or, or your PR or stuff like that, what you have to do is to circumcise yourself. And you not of any other circumcision. It's circumcision according to law of Moses. And then after you do that, you then begin to follow the constitution of Israel. And what's is constitution of Israel? The laws of Moses. So if, for example, before you were eating pork, you can no longer eat pork. If, for example, you were dressed in a certain way, you can no longer dress that way, now this way you need to dress. If before you were sacrificing animals to different kind of gods, now you have to you know, only follow the sacrifices of the temple. So that's actually how it was. So a proselyte was actually, is actually a Gentile that is now a converted Jew. So a proselyte is a Jewish convert or a converted Jew pretty much. So in that place, when he named different people from, you know coming from different nations of the world. The summary of all of them is that they were either Jews or they were pro at the end of the day. For them to have been in Jerusalem at that particular point in time to worship, they, they would have been either Jews or they would have been pro right. And so the point of everything I'm just explaining so far in action is just for you to see that, first of all, is that only believers can speak the tongues. Number two, every believer can speak can speak the tongues because only 120 people have spoke the tongues on that day. Alright, also for you to see that speaking in tongues is not speaking in other languages. No, speaking in tongues is actually speaking a language that no man understands. And is it possible for believers to speak in a language they've never spoken in before? Yes, alright, but that is a working of a miracle. That is not speaking in tongues. How do I know that? Because it is said in the word. Alright, and that's also why I also tell you never ever argue with people that argue based on experience. That's something was we'll never do i i passed on you if i'm if i'm explaining something with somebody as regards any bible matter and you and i notice that you, your explanation is from experience i just stop. the reason i stop is because there is no objective means to measure who is right or who is wrong and that's why the, the conversations always end with for me sha, this is my youth because at the end of the day it's not an objective argument all right or an objective discussion it's actually a subjective one based on people's experience so, there is, no, there is no basis or metric for discernment, or no basis for correction. Do you understand that? Now, but if we both agree that, you know what, we are only going to agree with what the word says, then at that point in time, we can look from the word and say, oh, you are right, I'm wrong, or you are wrong, I'm wrong, or you are right, both of us cannot be right, alright? So, is it that one person is right, or both of us are wrong. So, but the, because the scriptures is our objective guide, we can know what the answer is. But when you speak to people like, you notice know, that they are doing so much of explaining from their experience, don't waste your time, because they won't listen to you. Because they've decided that the experience is going to be their judge. And experience is subjective. So experience, you know, can never be objective. And so you can never arrive at the conclusive answer. So that's just that. Let's move on. Okay, so let's talk about the different appellations used for tongues. Okay. Now, you see, one of the big mistakes that people oftentimes make about tongues is this. Let's start from this. The word tongues is the Greek word glosa. Glosa. G-L-O-S-S-A. And it means a language. A language. Now, let me explain what the language is. This might, sound, this might sound like grammar class, but pay attention because this actually means a lot. Now, you know, the difference between English language and Yoruba language, for example, is not necessarily what is said, but rather the understanding of what is said or what is uttered. So, because for example, okay, a very, very good example, Otawa. Now, if you say Otawa someone who is a canadian who of course his language is english why is it ottawa of course, what comes to his mind ottawa is located in canada right and so if you um tell someone a canadian for example you say ottawa it just comes to their mind ottawa it just it makes total sense to them a capital in canada but if you tell my mom all right if you tell my mom and say my mom is yoruba for example and if you tell her and say okay well she might get it If you tell some random yoruba person or some random yoruba woman and say ah ottawa She'll say, ah, bear me. Okay. Because at the end of the day, Otawa, or tower means something different to a Yoruba woman than to a Canadian. Or a Yoruba person than to a Canadian. at the end of the day, the difference between them, what praise, the language, is not necessarily what is said. Because there are different times when different languages can have words that sound alike. I think that's what's called homonyms; They can sound alike. But the meaning is based on the language. The meaning is not based on the speech. What determines the, the meaning is the language, you know, is different languages. So one speech or one word can mean different things across different languages. And so that's the reason why I said a language is not what is spoken. A language rather is the understanding behind what is spoken. Or better, the language is the understanding that gives speech meaning. Now, I'm saying this now because it's going to make sense very, very soon. Now, that would mean that when we talk about tongues, tongues is not fundamentally what He said, tongues is the understanding behind it that makes what He said have meaning. Let's let's do a bit bit of a study to make sense. Go to Genesis 11 and verse 1. Genesis 11. Genesis 11 and verse 1. This is probably going to be one of the most um, extensive and elaborate study on tongues that you've ever heard before. I can say that very convincingly, all right. Genesis 11, I'm going to start from verse one to verse seven. Now pay attention. From verse one, it says, that the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. One one language, so you need to understand, they were of one language, and because they were of one language, they were of one speech. Because as we said before, it is actually language that gives meaning to speech. So they were of one language, meaning they all had the same understanding. And because they all had the same understanding, their speech was uniform. Now that makes sense. But let's continue. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said to another, Go, go through, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick, stone, and slime. Um, and they said, and they said, Go through, let us build us the city and the tower. Whose top may reach also heaven? Let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men built. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they all have one language, and this they begin to do. And Now not to be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down. Now pay attention to verse 7. And let let us go down there. And there confounds their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So can you see that what God had to do? Now first of all, let me say that. This particular place. A lot of times, people don't really understand the context of Genesis 11. So they, you know, they, they, a lot of the people try to, in this place, um, what's the word now? They try to um, justify God. So they don't, they don't try to, because you pay attention to this story. And actually looks like God is a will, genuinely. That's what it looks like. He's giving, the way, did ah, yeah, I just say it's giving? Anyways, I me. I'm just anyways. So it's giving when you have children playing in the beach, and they are packing some together to home castle. And then you don't look from your side where you are. Just look at them. And because for whatever reason, you just go there and you just use your left to scatter everything. That's it's strongly giving bully, (laughs) actually. But there is a there is a much more interesting context to Genesis eleven. But let me just put it this way: it is it was actually idolatry. But that's by the way. Hopefully, one of these days, I think I'm going to teach on um, explaining God's nature in KBC 2024. I think I think that's my plan to teach. I think yeah, I think explaining God's nature. It's probably KBC 2024 or KBC committee 2023, one of the two. All right, so I, I will most likely touch on this. All right, to, to better explain, it. but just know at the back of your mind it was actually idolatry that was the problem here. But that being said, notice how that he said that the people he said what the what the angel of the Lord had to do or what the Lord had to do was that he had to confound their language so that they would not understand their speech. So. It's, so the, it's not that God, you know, because when we used to think this place was was that the people don't want to talk, then all of a sudden something would just happened to them as they are talking and just be saying something else. So maybe the person wanted to say, bring me stone. Then the person just say, as many as talk, instead of you to say English, you just say Ashanti or something like that. Or you just say German or Russian. No, that's not it. But rather, the things are, they would have said the same thing they were saying. But now because the languages in their mind had been changed, the meaning that person would have would be a different meaning. So it was not the speech. Nothing was done to the speech. All that was needed to do was to confound their language. The moment the language is confounded, what would have made sense to the person normally no longer makes sense to the person. So now it now means something else to the person. So somebody who would have met Ottawa before and would have thought Canada, now he has Ottawa and he's thinking of enemies are plenty. So the speech, so God did not take a word of their head and just cut out such that now they are saying different things, No, not necessarily. All that had to happen was that their implication of those words or their understanding of those words just had to change. The moment the understanding of those words changed, even if they were saying the same thing they had always been saying before, now it had a different meaning to different people. So that was actually what happened. So, the, and that's the reason why it clearly differentiates it. He says there were one language and one speech. At the end of the day, the language was confounded. And because the language was confounded, they could no longer understand their speech. So the speech is the resultant effect of the language. So the moment the language becomes confounded, the speech then becomes a problem because the speech will no longer make sense to those whose language has been changed. Now, I said all that to just say. So the tongues, now, tongues is not speech, it is language. Don't forget, it's the word glossar, It means language, literally tongues means language. So, in other words, tongues is not what is said. Tongues is not ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, just that, uh, say that as you speak speaking. for example. Tongues is not that. Tongues is actually the stuff from which, that, from which that speaking comes from. Just as, for example, uh, let me see, I, I am a boy. I am a boy in itself is not a language, it is a speech. It is because of your understanding of the language or because of the language English or English language that you already know that can make you make sense of that sentence, I am a boy. So the speech is on its own. The language gives the speech meaning. So when it comes to tongues as well, it is not as though that makes any sense. No, No, not at all. It could mean something else in another language, in fact. But... What makes its tongues is that it emanates from the spirits. So, so, pay attention to this now. The source, really, which is the language, permit me to put it that way, is the spirits. The speech only makes sense because it comes from the spirits. This is the difference between speaking rubbish and speaking in tongues. This is the reason the unbeliever will say the same thing you are saying, and it is jargons and rubbish. Why? Because he does not have the source which is the basis of the language, which is the spirit. So even if he says the exact same speech, don't forget what we said about Ottawa in Canada, in Canada, Yuba. Even if he says the exact same speech, it will mean something else to him than it will mean to you. To him it can be rubbish, but to you, because you have the stuff, the language, the spirit, it will mean something else to you. Sure, you know, at the end of the day, when a child is born, it is not as though um, how would I say it? Any child that is born is actually born into a language. It is not the day when the child begins to speak that the language started. The child only becomes aware of that language, and then he begins to speak. You know, at a particular point in time when the child is growing, he's already even having speech when he's still young. You see all manner of things and stuff like that that don't make any sense. Then as begins to grow older, and it, what makes his speech actually make sense is that he begins to get a mastery of the language. And because he gets a mastery of the language, he now uses his speech in a particular direction to communicate information. Just liking that also to salvation. When a man becomes sick and he is now he is begotten into a family as a child, he is born into a supernatural language. Why? Because it Tongues is actually a language of the spirits. That's why you must see. Tongues is not what he said. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. Tongues is the language of men who are born again. In our family, in our nation, in this family of men who are begotten from the dead, salvation, the church of the living God, we actually have a language, and that language is tongues. It is not as though when you got saved, you got a different language. It's not like God gave you your own gift of tongues. No, 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 no when you got saved you came into a language because it is a language of our nation the language of the nation of or the tribe of those who are saved those who are begotten from the dead those who have the holy ghost we are a nation and our language is tongues so when you come in you came into that language as you then begin to grow or better you begin to get conscious and then you begin to speak you now begin to make speech And what makes that speech make sense is the language wherein you were born into, which is what the spirits. So even though your speech on a normal day in another language means rubbish, because you are born from us, or you are born from our nation, which is a nation with a language of the spirits, which is tongues, that language gives that rubbish, which is with that speech, which is rubbish, it then gives it a meaning. And that meaning can only emanate from the spirits. I said all of that to just give you an idea about tongues. So, tongues, therefore, and this is what will now begin to clear some things. If tongues is not what you say, and so on and so forth, it means that you you it means that new tongues cannot be you speaking a new kind of tongues, or speaking a new kind of way. Say, for example, you are saying, bah, 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 then all of a sudden, it begins, your tongues begin to sound a different way. God did not give you new tongues. Because don't forget, stones is not what he said. It is a language. It is a language. If you find a British, an American speaking English, it's going to sound differently. It's not like there is a different English language. At the end of the day, what still gives its meaning is the language English. But then they can sound differently because of their accents, because of you know where they grew up and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, it is still one English language that gives meaning to what they say. So, at the end of the day, if tongues is not what is said, but tongues is a language, tongues is not a speech, it would mean that even if people sound differently in their tongues, it is not different kinds of tongues. No, it is actually all different speeches, but the same tongue. Why? Because it's the same language. And when I say the same, I don't mean it is the same meaning of all of them. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying it is the same language that all of those different speeches emanate from. So, what will give those speeches meaning? It is what it is. The same tongue. So, when people get the idea of when people hear of new tongues, we're going to talk about that. I really hope. I really thought we were going to be able to talk about that this week. But when you talk about new tongues, therefore, it cannot really be referring to. I was sounding a particular way when I was praying tongues, then I now entered the new realm. I now began to sound a particular way. God gave me new tongues. No, that's not possible. Because tongues is not what you say. Tongues is not how you sound. Tongues is a, is what is the spiritual language of them who are saved. That's simply what it is. Tongues is language, not speech. That is the reason why, if you were sounding a particular way before, and now you begin to sound a particular way, it's not because your tongues change. Tongues cannot change. Because tongues is not what is said. Tongues is what? The source from which what is said the man from. So, if you talk about new tongues, diverse kinds of tongues, we are going to talk about all of these things. New tongues, other tongues, diverse kinds of tongues, um, I think there's another one besides diverse kinds of tongues, I think there's a, there's a fourth one. Uh, unknown tongues. All of these things. Let me just, let me just, I'm going to, the ones that I cannot, I don't have to do a study on, I'm just going to tell you what they are. Unknown tongues, for example, have you seen that tongues is a language? Unknown, first of all, if you pay attention, it, unknown tongues is the best question for things. You always notice that unknown is always in italics, meaning it was not there initially. The, uh, in translators put it there for you to aid your understanding, and it makes total sense, because don't forget, it already tells you when you speak in a tongue, no man understands. In the spirit, is, you, you speak mysteries. So why is it unknown? It is simply an unknown language. So anywhere you see tongues, eh, just use language in your head. Because the word tongues is actually glossar language. Speaking in tongues is glossolalia. Gloss to um, glosser language, lalia from Lalio to speak. So glossolalia is just a, com- um, a composition of two words, lalio and glosa, speaking and tongues. Simple. That's simply what it is. So speaking in tongues is actually speaking in a language. It is not speaking, it's not speaking rubbish, it's not speaking something, it's actually speaking a particular language. So, speaking in tongues is not what you say, it is an ability. Uh So, speaking in tongues is not what comes out of your mouth, speaking in tongues is actually what happens within you because you have the spirit. What you utter is what comes out because you have the ability of speaking in tongues. So, it is not what you say that is tongues, rather. The speaking in tongues is the ability to receive because you are saved. That supernatural ability to begin to speak by the spirit, that offense, is what is within you. That speaking in tongues. What you say is now a function of the fact that you have the ability to speak in tongues. Alright? So when you say unknown tongues, it just means an unknown language. Simple. It doesn't mean things that are said that people cannot understand. Mm-mm. Even though it will lead to that. Unknown tongues primarily refer to unknown language. Um, new tongues, simple, a new language. The word new there, the word kindness, it means something that has never existed before. It's the same one that was used for new creatures, new, kindness, new and has never existed before. New tongues, a new language, simple. So, new tongues is not new speech, it's not new syllables, no, it is a new language, and that is the language you received in salvation. You received a language that has never existed before. Do you understand? So, and notice that when he spoke about these new tongues, it was already Jesus that spoke about it. Because before this time, nobody had ever spoken in tongues before. So Jesus says, these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, the Okazadevus, they will speak with new tongues. Meaning, they will speak with a language that has never existed before. That's the reason today, you cannot really call these new tongues. Because there are already believers who are speaking in it. It is only new to the one who is a non-believer. But in the real sense of it, it already exists because we are saved. But Jesus calls it new tongues because before this time, nobody has ever spoken in like this before. So it is a new language that has never existed before. So new tongues, unknown tongues, or known as far, is a language that you normally, from the natural perspective, does not make any sense to man. So that's why it is unknown. But it is an unknown language, not an unknown utterance. An unknown language that now leads you to speak an utterance. Same with new tongues. It is a new language, all right? So it is not what you say. So whether you are saying baba and then you began to say that or whatever you are saying, yeah, all of those things are still within new tongues. So even from the first time you say something, it is a new tongue as per it is a new language. The utterance can vary as per the kind of things uttered can vary and it can vary due to different things. Some people, if you notice, people who sound nice when they talk, people who are coherent when they talk normally, there is a way their tongue is going to sound. It's just because of the way, like it's just because of the way their tongues are. You know, like it's just because of the way they talk normally. It's going to influence the way they talk in tongues. It's, it's just way it is. Someone who has a very nice way around words, who moves easily between words, they're going to be able to talk in tongues. And also, it's also a function of when you're speaking in tongues for a long while. I've been praying in tongues now for, I, tongues now for I, tongues like, I think the first time I spoke in tongues was when I was 13 years old. So I've been for quite a while. So naturally. There is a fluency I'm going to have to it that somebody who said praying in tongues six months ago might not have, and that's just what it is. It doesn't mean that just that, that it is ne- it is more powerful or anything. No, those things are natural things. It's just the same way when you talk about laying hands. All right, the um, how am I, how am I going to explain this thing? The I, one person can put one finger, one person can put an entire hand. I can put hands and close eyes. I can can open my eyes and I put hands, so on and so forth. All at the end of the day, what matters is put hands, the person will be healed. All the other charismatic around this don't really mean much. Do you understand my point? So at the end of the day, with tongues, all that just matters is is this person speaking the language. At the end of the day, if someone is speaking English, whether you're an Australian or you're a British or you're American or so on and so forth, you are all speaking English. Simple. So at the end of the day, the language is still one. That with sound may differ the language is still one so when you find believers speaking in tongues different and different people are sounding different way now naturally, are going to hear some point. you say ah now tongues be this or stuff like that at the end of the day all of them are still speaking one language tongues but their utterances as per the things that, I, that come out of their mouth might sound differently from one person to another based on different reasons thank you for listening we're sure that it was an amazing time for questions and inquiries reach out to us at kerryso.mini at gmail.com. We call you blessed.